Sunday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Assuming everybody got the life of Pablo for a Valentine's Day present. How sweet of it was was it of Jesus to uh, provide everybody with a Valentine's Day present. Have you have you got your Valentine's Day present from Jesus yet, Norlander? I haven't, but have you? I mean, there's nothing for free. First of all, this is an amazing segue. If anyone is like catching up on a Monday and going right from the Friday podcast to the Monday podcast, we ended that one with Kanye. And now we've started this one with Kanye, <laughs> but I thought it was only available on title. Is this is this? It now is true. Available? So I have a title subscription now. How about that? You, I wonder how. Terrible. I went and looked it up today. Rihanna's album that came out into January created one million new title subscriptions. Sort of same deal. Like she said, if you want to listen to this, you have to do. You have to subscribe to title. And so Kanye's album is is similar. It's like a thirty day free guarantee. I guess I could cancel it if I want to. Although I'm confident I'll forget about it and never cancel it. So I'll be billed ten dollars a month forever. But uh, no, I had to subscribe to title. But it didn't, it took it took sixty seconds to do that. You have to punch in a credit card and you're good to go. Man, you have a great Valentine's Day. I'm sure you <laughs> and the wife are loving that. Speaking of Valentine's Day, Michigan State. I was kind of setting you up. Oh yeah. It was a Valentine's Day in East Lansing. Are you guys fans of those types of headlines, or do you cringe at those types of headlines? Not when they're that blatantly obvious. Like Denzel, Depends. yeah, Denzel Valentine on Valentine's Day. Like, I, if he would have had a a massive like game today, um, it it would every. Let's actually check the websites right now. Is everybody like? <laughs> I bet you can find a Valentine's Day headline somewhere right now. Oh, without a doubt. What is? I wonder what R says actually. Yeah, I think Chip wrote it. Let's see. Chip seems like a good pun, uh, pun person. <laughs> I'm looking. Little Chip Patterson, who's been waiting forever for Gary to be like, "Hey, you want to come on the podcast?" Just kidding. He hasn't been. Well, well, here's the problem. I don't think you can have any more than than three people on a podcast. Oh, without a doubt. Okay. I, well, then that means I got to kick one of you guys off. You think I want to no, do that? Like, you got me, put me in a bad spot. That's no, fine. Shout out to Chip, though. He's shout he's out to Chip Patterson. Shout out to Chip. Patterson. Shout out to Devin Downey. <laughs> We're not shouting out Devin Downey again. <laughs> That's gonna be. I'm sure we will find someone to shout not out. Not after this. South Carolina totally blew its chance against Kentucky. I found the. Hey, I found a graphic on ESPN.com. You know what it says? It's definitely his day, Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, ours hey, all right, is so, Denzel but, Valentine stars in Michigan State's Valentine's Day. <laughs> he did have a good day, and let's let's at least he got thirty. Okay, yeah, he was good. Let's at least you know give some credence to what I said on Friday's podcast. Again, it is almost definitely going to be Buddy, but no, he'll yeah, have yeah. a good game. Yeah, Valentine had a really good game, and even more so. Check the schedules. Michigan State has a – it's only two road games remaining on in the season are against Ohio State and at Rutgers, whereas Oklahoma still has four road games to go. And Valentine overall, I think I think his absence might help him there. I still think it will be Buddy, but I don't think it's a sure, sure thing at this point. There's still room there where I think he could create an actual debate. That's I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I think I did yeah. publicly disagree with it on Friday. <laughs> But I, I agree I, with that. I, I think it's right. Yeah, I, I, I still think it'll be Buddy. I do think there's a scenario under which Michigan State gets rolling. Denzel keeps throwing up 30 point games, um, and and we have a conversation about it at least. I, you know, prediction. Uh, yeah, Buddy Hill will still be National Player of the Year. But is it game set match already? Probably not game set match already. So the, listen, when, when did it? Well, hold on. When did it flip from Okafor to Kaminsky last year? Because it, it almost it, seemed it was, like a switch. It was about it was about this time because we I remember that I was so so on it's going to be Okafor. So I for as right as I've been about Buddy, I was wrong about Okafor because I just didn't think it was going to switch. And then it did. It was right around mid February that it, it became Kaminsky, and it kind of became Kaminsky almost overnight. And and maybe not definitively, but certainly everyone was like, okay, because GP, you were kind of there with me. And then eventually it was just like, nah, Wisconsin's been too good. Kaminsky's been too good. That we realized that that. Yeah, I was one of the last holdouts because I had gone with, we had gone with Okafor for preseason player of the year, and I I wasn't going to move off until I had to. Yeah. <laughs> and, but ultimately, um, had to. Like Frank was having the better year. It, it, statistically yeah. speaking, it, it seemed pretty uh, pretty clear. There's, they have, you know, what are the ones that have never really moved? 
Like it sort of was what it was always like, wire to wire. Yeah, I mean, like, or I at least like, not, 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 necessarily, like that. not necessarily wire to wire, but um, like very early, it looks like it's going to be a guy, and it, it remains that guy. Durant was probably that. I was uh, going to say Blake. Blake was probably that. Beasley was probably that. Like once it became clear, it was. I know actually, Beasley, Anthony Davis Beasley didn't win. Be, yeah. yeah, he should have won. Like. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, why did Anthony Michael Davis be- was about mid December that it seemed like he was going to be on it, and then once we got to January, there was no doubt. Like, who he- was the player of the year instead of Michael Beasley? Wasn't it Hansborough? It no, been. well, Beasley was 0708. Hansborough would have been 0809, maybe. Mm. No, 0809 was Blake. It's definitely Hansborough. It was Hansborough 0708. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I mean, you I don't, know what? I think yeah, I think that is right. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember wondering why. Why is it Michael Beasley? If Kevin Durant was the runaway player of the year. And Michael Beasley just broke all his records. Right. Why yeah, is it right. Michael Beasley, the runaway player of the year? And I, I, I think the argument was like, um, well, Durant's team was – like, Beasley's team wasn't – like, Beasley was doing things at Kansas State both individually and leading that team to things that had never been done at Kansas State, like winning at Allen Fieldhouse. Didn't he win at Allen Fieldhouse? Norlander, when you would be- know that. Ooh, you know what? No, I don't think that was Beasley's team. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't think Beasley was on that team. He beat somebody. He did something. I don't remember what. Uh, like he was. I don't understand why Michael Beasley wasn't National Player of the Year. We're gonna have to go yeah, back. They lost that. They lost that. Allen Field. Um, Jimmer was basically wire to wire, wasn't he? Felt like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like once he got, once he got going. Yeah. yeah. Going in, it wasn't like. It, he was hot going early. In, yeah, that's true. Um, he was hotter. Yeah. Uh, this is actually a pretty interesting discussion. <laughs> now that we planned it, but that's actually <laughs> a pretty good question because now it's like starting to bother me because I'm like, there's there's got to have been people listening that know the answer from someone over the, like, the past 10, 15 years. But it's just like annoying me now that I can't. Think it is of funny. Like we spend probably for pe- uh, like ten minutes before we actually hit record talking and saying, "Hey, is there anything you want to go over? Is there anything you want to go?" And then we start <laughs> the podcast and immediately start talking about stuff we never mentioned. Uh, in in the pre-record, um, Evan Turner, John Wall, that one flipped a little bit. Like early, it looked like it was going to be Wall. Yeah, and then it yeah, became Turner and... got ridiculous by January. I remember just Turner's numbers, and that was just around the time where people were starting to pay more attention to uh, tempo-free numbers as opposed to traditional statistics. And Turner was good with both. And his case really, really got. I was I was a big Evan Turner fan that year for sure. No, he was uh, he was terrific. Well, listen, it was been a wild weekend in college basketball. I guess as we're recording, and, and for folks wondering why are you recording on Sunday afternoon last year, uh, last week rather, it was because of the Super Bowl. Uh, this week it's because Valentine's Day. Sam's got Valentine's Day uh, dinner planned. So do I. Norlander's got a baby, so he can't go anywhere. <laughs> but uh, so we're recording on Sunday afternoon. Um, Michigan State has just uh, beaten Indiana uh, pretty convincingly. Um, you know, within the past hour or so. And it's been, to date, a pretty uh, interesting weekend in college basketball. Kansas, of course, won at Oklahoma. The Jayhawks are now projected to win at least a share of the Big 12 title, according to Ken Palm. Duke beat Virginia. Uh, Grayson Allen probably got away with a walk. Uh, Wisconsin won at Maryland. Oregon lost at Stanford. A&M lost at LSU. Gonzaga lost at SMU. Kentucky killed South Carolina at South Carolina. Uh, Sam, I'll start with you. What stood out from the weekend? If we had to do one headline and we couldn't make it Valentine's Day, uh, <laughs> what would you make it? It probably has to be Kansas, right? Yeah. I mean, not only is Kansas now probably on track to at least get a share of the Big 12 title for the 12th straight year, I believe. That's true. And uh, I mean, honestly, that win at Oklahoma might be a better win than anyone has had this year. I think it is. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I mean, it's an incredible win. Uh, Kansas, that was a Kansas actually led for a majority of that first half, it felt like, because Buddy just couldn't get going. And then Oklahoma came back, and that was a really terrific second half. I mean, it was just a blast to watch those two teams go back and forth, just taking each other's best, sh- best shots. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't speak right now. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It's it's a anyway it's a great it was a great weekend and uh, I would say Kansas is probably the favorite for the Big Twelve at this point. And that's I I knew Buddy was missing that free throw just as soon as Billis said he's not going to miss his free throw. So how about that? <laughs> that was such bad. a jinx. It, it was such a jinx. I don't believe in all that jinx stuff. Like don't I talk know, in it here. I don't believe in it at all. But I thought it was hilarious. Like it, I did. Tr- I'm aware that other people believe in jinx and all that. And so when Billis is like, he's not going to miss the free throw. So Oklahoma's got to worry about getting back and, and, and preventing a transition. And it was like, he missed it. It was just like, oh, man. I mean, he had a 
because he got going in the second half. Like he had those moments. I think he hit back-to-back threes at one point because, you know, I, I think Sam referenced it. He was terrible. Not, I don't know about terrible. I don't want to overstate it, but he, he missed all, he took six shots in the first half, missed all six of them. And then in the second half, he got going a little bit. Um, and then he's at the line with an opportunity to, I think, tie the score 73-73 with about 10 seconds left. Oklahoma would have still needed a stop on the other end. Um, but if they'd have got a stop on the other end, we would have been headed to a fourth overtime in this regular season series between <laughs> these two teams. And instead, he misses, and then Kansas comes down, makes some free throws. Oklahoma comes back, a quick launch of a three, misses, whatever. Um, but, yeah, now they've got nine top 50 RPI wins. They've got five top 25 RPI wins. Uh, for con- for the purposes of context, nobody has more than five. Other teams have five top 25 wins. Nobody has more than five. And nobody has nine except for Kansas. Some schools have eight. I think Oregon has eight. But nobody has nine. And nobody has, uh, you know, even the schools that have like eight got like some bad losses. Kansas has one loss. And it's a bad loss at Oklahoma State. But they've only got one loss outside of the top 25. And so um, I made them number one in the CBS Sports Top 25. And one Jerry Palm now has them as the number one overall seed um, in his bracketology. And it's just remarkable because like, uh, I saw a quote from Nicole Abach yesterday, uh, I guess it was last night. She was, uh, uh, and, and it was from Bill Self, and he said, you know, this one's interesting because, you know, though in the 11 years that we've won, you know, consecutive Big 12 titles, we've done it at least three times when the best player in the country was in our league playing for another team. And I think he was referencing Durant, Beasley, and there was another time. Do you know who the other player would be? Oh, Blake Griffin. Blake. Yeah, it was Blake, Blake right? Yeah. So the yeah, Blake Beasley Durant. He had the best player in the t- in the country um, playing in the Big 12 on another team, and, and Kansas was still able to get a Big 12 title. He said, and we've also done it. He said, so that's neat. And we've also done it when we've had lottery picks, you know, Wiggs and, and Embiid and whatever. And, and this is just different. Like, he doesn't have the best player in the country. The best player in the country, at least the leading national player of the year candidate, is in the league on another team. And he doesn't have lottery picks, or at least he doesn't have lottery picks in his rotation. He's not you. If he has them, they ain't the ones winning games for him. I mean, it's Devontae Graham, who was mostly a mid-major recruit. It's Frank Mason, who was mostly a mid-major recruit. And uh, still, like, here they are. Like, uh, despite all the minutes we've spent on this podcast and other places talking and writing about, you know, is this the year? And now Kansas doesn't look like itself. And Bill's got to figure out his rotation. And, oh, my God, Oklahoma's unbelievable. Here they are, atop the Big 12 standings, possibly going to be ranked number one in the country in the AP poll. Like they, I don't, I don't know that they will. No, they won't be because Villanova still will be. They should be. They've got a better resume than Villanova. I don't even think it's close. So, like, um, it, it's just amazing. Like, the guy's just unbelievable in the sense that uh, one way or another, and it really is one way or another, but one way or another, around this time, he's always got one of the best teams in the country, regardless of the pieces involved. Yes. Uh, quick thought on Kansas. There's, I, there's plenty I want to get to from the weekend here. GP, you're right. Uh, the self-quote was very interesting because he hit on stuff that you had written about earlier this year yeah. with the lottery picks. Um, but a, a lingering thought on Kansas is that they're still – it's ridiculous that they're going to win this again. Uh, but they're going to lose one more too, I'm almost positive. They still got at K-State, huge rivalry game at Baylor, at Texas. I think they're going to win the league uh, and still take another loss, which speaks to the Big 12. But just, you know, we get to even technically before the middle of February, and it basically seems like it's – Fate accompli yet again, Big 12, Kansas. Uh, just bow down to what self has done because we are not going to see it again in our lifetimes at a, at a multi-bid conference level without a doubt. This will not happen. We're not going to see the t- program go 12 years in a row. It's stupid. Um, my headline would be Duke, Virginia, because, well, one, it was obviously the freaking busiest story on the site for college troops all weekend because, you know, it was the perfect storm of Duke winning controversially by their most hated player at the buzzer. <laughs> so, like, I mean, come on. Uh, GP has said uh, Grayson Allen may have traveled. No, he did travel. I mean, he did. The evidence is there. Probably uh, twice. Probably twice, which is a good point. Now, there could have been a foul against Allen, without a doubt there. There's I don't some, agree with that. <laughs> I know, but there there is some room for some debate there if you want to have it, whatever. What's crazy is 
Malcolm Brogdon had an insane shot to take the lead, <laughs> oh and that's God. been completely wiped away from everyone's memory. Like, Virginia almost got the win at Cameron, which obviously almost never happens. They haven't won there in 21 years. Which happens sh- after Grayson missed two free throws. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is also forgotten. Grayson redeemed himself because, by the way, similar to Heald, Allen shoots 86% from the line, right. and he misses both free throws in a situation that could have given Duke, obviously, a three-point lead and changed everything uh, in terms of what Virginia was going to do. And Instead, about- he misses them and think about the free throws we've had this past week anthony collins 93 percent free throw shooter misses two which caused oh texas God. a&m a win like he had missed two all year and he missed two with two seconds to go and that cost uh, a&m a win over who who was it who were they playing that night alabama alabama right okay so then we see buddy miss one that could have forced another overtime 90 percent free throw shooter and then uh grayson missed two which uh is the only reason he had to hit some ridiculous game winner after traveling is because he missed two free throws. So like it really has been, um, I don't know if it's choking, uh, but like it's, it's something similar. It's in the choking family we've seen in three uh, top 25 games this, you know, over the past week or so. Okay. So uh, two things from the Duke game. Um, one, my thought is that the ACC now has this log jam for third Virginia, Notre Dame, Louisville, and Duke all are tied with four losses because of the Virginia Duke outcome. And because Carolina just waxed, uh, Pittsburgh on Sunday. Carolina has a two-game lead. It does get a little interesting. Duke goes to UNC. Basically, if Pitt UNC... Is, or, uh, UNC does not have a two-game lead, by the way. In the loss column. Oh, no, they have a one-game lead. Sorry, I meant two-game lead on Duke. Uh, Miami is has three losses, but that's going to be intriguing because Miami still has home games against Virginia and Louisville and still has to go to Notre Dame, to North Carolina, and we are recording this before its game at FSU... And I'm going to say that Miami's going to lose that game. You so. know, like, well, Virginia lost there. And so by the time um, this podcast is even posted, probably, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the Carolina could have a two-game lead in the ACC, which is kind of funny because, like, I did a radio show yesterday. And, and you know, every, I don't want to say every time I'm on, but sometimes I'm on these random, you know, just random radio shows. Somebody say, so what's wrong with Carolina? And I mean, I get the question. I understand what it's rooted in, but like they, they're about to, they might by the end of Sunday have a two game lead in the ACC, like have right. a two game lead in what might be the, uh, the, you know, the best conference in the country, depending on who you ask. Right. So right. it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess my point is there's still plenty of volatility there. And I like the unpredictability of the ACC because I agree with you. I don't really have too much concern over Carolina in general, top five. Te- like I, again, I've said this before, if I was make, making like a top five, most likely teams to pick to win it all, Carolina would be on that, but they still have to go to Duke, obviously in the, re- the annual return game that closed out the regular season they have at Virginia um, and at NC state, which should be winnable, but you know, the Wolfpack are, are a little weird and cat Barber is obviously a wild card given that he's just playing out of his mind lately. So, ACC is really uh, intriguing to me. I thought the outcomes this weekend kind of fell perfectly in terms of making it one big quagmire. But in terms of the Duke ending, I just want to spend a couple quick minutes on this and get your guys' opinion. Uh, We didn't address the Boise State-Colorado State thing on Friday's podcast that we had planned to. We just ran out of time. Uh, So between that and then Allen with the travel, um, this is kind of a whole Pandora's box thing. But what is your opinion on – a game ending on a play that with clear cut 100% evidence is determined after the play. It is the last play of a game or that would be the last play of a game. The rules are that a, that an outcome cannot be reversed. Now, logical minds might say it is the last play of the game and it was incorrectly called. There were no plays of consequence that would have affected the outcomes afterward. So why can't there simply be a rule in place? You saw this with the Miami Duke I'm blanking on the football. Remember, it was that no, insane no, ending. Yeah, no, that like so you, you saw it the there. Yeah. And the and the and the fact of the matter is, if you have an outcome that is incorrectly whistled and there is no play afterward, Boise State would have won the game and should have won the game. It doesn't matter what happened in the overtime after that because as the play had happened, it should have counted. I'm very much of the mind that if that happens, it should be in the rule book that that outcome should be overturned. I don't think this will ever happen. And to me, it's kind of stupid because we should just really use our heads and say, let's just use logic here. But maybe I'm on the wrong side of it. What are your guys' opinions in these very rare instances where we have clear cut? Like, it is clear mm-hmm. that Grayson Allen did not release the ball before his foot Whoa. came down, giving it a travel. Therefore, it's a violation. Therefore, the shot should have never counted. Therefore, Virginia should have won. Same well, here's the, yeah, here's the problem with Grayson's play. If you call Grayson's travel, there's still a few tenths left. 
right? Because Correct. the first one he didn't leave the ball. If you deem so, if you deem it to be a travel, yes. Well, not even the first one. The second one, whenever he comes down and oh, you're saying like wins. actually before? Yeah, okay. yeah. The game yeah, wouldn't be that's over. not the last play, so I right. don't really think that you can overturn that play. But the Boise one seems relatively clear to me. That that was a referee mistake where they called it correctly on the jump, replayed it, screwed up the replay because they don't know how to use video, or really the Mountain West doesn't know how to use video. It's not that the referees don't know how to use video. The Mountain West didn't train the referees well enough to use the video. Um, and, you know, you reverse a call that was made correctly the first time around. It's a ridiculous outcome, I think, and Boise should probably be awarded a win there. Uh, as far as the overall conversation of the last play of the game yeah i'm fine with if it's a true buzzer beater which i don't think dukes was in this case if it's a true buzzer beater uh i have no problem with going back and reversing the outcome i think sam and i are on the same page here with grayson's um oh first off the boise state one that that seems crystal clear to me like the ref screwed up we have the capability to review it. it you know i didn't need to pull out my uh stopwatch to understand that there's absolutely no way that shot should not have counted. We were sitting in studio. I guess it was Wednesday night. We're sitting in studio watching it. Like I saw it one time. I was like, that's crazy that that shot didn't count. Like that shot should have counted. And then subsequently, of course, I, you know, everybody's acknowledged that the shot should have counted, that, uh, that everybody messed up. Boise State deserved to win that game. I think I, if there were a way to reverse that outcome within the rules, that outcome should be reversed. And it is something that, uh, league should should probably look at because that is that is very much like in my opinion the Duke Miami situation where uh, the wrong team got a win in a way that is um, pretty clear to to any to anybody. Uh, I hate slippery slope arguments. I reject them typically, but the Grayson Allen argument does sort of seem slippery slopey to me. Um, mm-hmm. Yo, listen, he traveled, all right? I, 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 I guess I've had Duke fans arguing with basically everybody else in the country on my timeline. <laughs> um, uh, in my mentions, somehow, somehow I get caught in the middle of this stuff, I guess because I tweeted video of it. And uh, Duke fans have, not all of them, I, but some clearly have cons- uh, figured out a way to explain how it wasn't really a travel. It, it seems pretty clear that it was a travel to everybody else. Um, but then you get into an argument, okay, well, Okay, what about how do we, what what if he was only traveled because he was fouled, you know? Like, then are we going to go back and like judgment call that as well? Like, I I just think you you start trying to get into those types of things. At some point, you just let the you let the refs do their jobs. They're going to make some good calls. They're going to miss some calls in in bad ways. They're going to make some bad calls. But um, I, I think that when you get into a really tricky situation, like uh, you know, what would the rule be? Um, we're only going to review possible travels you know like yeah, yeah. yeah i don't oh, know yeah. yeah i mean it's it's listen we could honestly spend 40 minutes on it want to i just wanted I, I felt with both of these plays happening with a few days of each other and you're very right grayson's play and the web th- uh shot by boise state were, were definitely different to, it bothers me how um there is just simply this outdated and simplistic mindset with with rule books across sports where it's nope the game ended and we can't go back and change it well no if you screwed up the call right. and there's empirical evidence yeah. that it should have gone the other way there's no reason why you can't flip a flip an outcome i think yeah. that's really something the NCAA should look hard at again i have my great doubts that it will ever happen and maybe honestly it's going to have to take some sort of outrageous like Think about what happened in the SMU-UCLA game last year. Think about what mm-hmm. happened and how UCLA went, and UCLA had no business uh, moving on. It was a clear violation, and yet they, they got the benefit of the doubt. Right. The, call, the call was missed, and they went on. And even that wasn't – now, that was a huge headline for about 12 hours, uh, but then we move on because it's the nature of the tournament. I really think it would have to happen in something like an Elite Eight game, a Final Four, or a National Championship uh, for that to really ever be moved to a discussion. But I, you know, I just felt it was worth a quick pause. No, Again, no, here's, here's what I would say. And, and Sam, I, and, and then I want to sure. get your thoughts. I, um, the Boise State thing is like maybe the rule should be if it's clearly a timing issue that can be reviewed at the buzzer and there would be no subsequent play no matter what. If the wrong team was awarded yeah. a win, flip it. Like maybe a, it's a like a non-violation. Thing. Yeah, because like if you start to get because like, like let's say hypothetically speaking, somebody said, well, we went back and looked at it, and Grayson Allen traveled, so we're going to uh, take away that basket. Virginia wins. Can't the argument very simply be from from the Duke side? 
Yeah, his foot came down before he released the ball. Do you want to know why? Because he got fouled and the officials missed a foul. Like that, I just think you really get into a weird spot there. I, I think mm-hmm. on some level, when it comes to traveling violations, fouls, blocks, charges, you got to just sort of let the officials do the job and live with it the way we always have. But with, with clearly defined timing issues, which was the Boise State-Colorado State issue, I would be fine with something being uh, – with the rule book being amended to, to be able to take those into account and reverse them if necessary because, uh, you know, a timing issue is a timing issue. That's not even debatable really, whereas this other stuff I think is very much debatable as we've seen for the past, you know, 24 hours or so. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Like maybe it's something where if there's not a violation, uh, there's not a, a foul, a travel or whatever, you can go in and fix it, like Gary said. Uh, but the thing with Grayson's is, again, like, you know, there are probably, what, 0.3 seconds left in that clock right, right, whenever right. he releases or whenever he falls down and then releases. Um, who's to say that Duke isn't going to get like a miraculous like tip shot? Right. Like, like it's absolutely ridiculous and it's absolutely absurd to, you know, actually have that happen in a game. But it's not necessarily something you can legislate against either, I don't think. Uh, one thing before we move on, and I only bring this up because I guess it was you, Matt, mentioned Cat Barber. There seems to be a debate ongoing about whether he should be the ACC player of the year. I'm not even really sure where it originated. Um, Jeff Goodman. Oh, it was our buddy Goodman. <laughs> um, like, listen, he's Cat's terrific. Like, terrific. Great player. Great college player. Fun to watch. I, I can't make a kid on a losing team uh, like that, an ACC player of the year. Can you like, I just, I don't even, I don't care. Like I don't, if he averaged 30 points a game, I just say, you know what? Like uh, to me, players of the year have to come from, from some sort of uh, uh, from a team that is uh, relevant on some level. And by relevant, I mean on a team that's competing for something. If, if not a league championship, at least an NCAA tournament bid within that league. And uh, he's obviously nowhere close to that stuff. I, 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 I mean, is that, are there people who would vote him as an ACC player of the year on a team like this? I, I don't know are. if there are people that would vote him, but oh, I, I think I think locally, yes, I think they would. Um, here's my thing on it: I don't actually have a problem with a losing player being voted ACC player of the year, mm-hmm. but I think that there are just better players in the ACC this year. Like I think Malcolm Brogdon's a better player than Cat Barber. And I think that Grayson Allen has been relatively close to what Barber has done production-wise and has been much more efficient than Cat Barber in scoring. Um, it's uh, I have no problem with voting for a losing player if that losing player is just playing on a terrible team. Like uh, Olivier Hamlin a few years ago was a sure. pretty good example of this at Boston College. Yeah. I don't Again, I don't know that Olivier Hamlin was ever the best player in the league, though. He was a guy putting up stats getting an insane usage rate on a really bad team. I think that if Cat Barber played for Virginia, that he would not score 23 points a game or whatever. And it's a slippery slope again to do that. But uh, yeah, I don't think he's the best player in the ACC, full stop. I just think that Malcolm Brogdon's better. I think Grayson Allen's better. I think you can make an argument that Bryce Johnson's better, but you just kind of fall into, I, I appreciate defense and Bryce Johnson doesn't play the defense. A short answer for me, GP, is um, I'm not opposed to doing it, but it is very much, I mean, like context, context, context sure. in terms of the player, the team, and yep. what, what else is happening in the league. Uh, I, I would not lean to it. And this year, like, honestly, if I was, I would do, I would probably go Grayson one, Brogdon two, Barber three, Johnson four, if I was making a list. And, and honestly, it's not even anything of a um, of a of a moral victory or anything. Like Barber is going to be an ACC first team player, and that's kind of amazing given how bad NC State has been in the league and how good the league is with all the teams above him. So the fact that he's even going to break through speaks to how terrific that he has been. And yeah. and overall, like it's not his fault, I guess that uh, NC State has really underwhelmed. I mean, I, I honestly thought this team was going to be about a five seed, and they've been an underwhelming story without a doubt. They're definitely dangerous, and you know, listen, they've had some some injuries and whatnot. It's, it's not Barber's fault, but uh, but it would just it would take an absolutely mammoth season within a league that also happened to have no one else really stepping up for me to vote that. Yeah, like even when I have to turn in like a 20-player wooden ballot, like I basically start going through the top 25 or top 35. Like I start looking at teams that are in play to be uh, to, to receive at-large bids to the NCAA tournament. And almost without exception, 
if you don't meet that criteria, like I don't, I don't even consider you. Um, I, I don't believe Cat Barber is somebody who is simply scoring at a high level because he's on a bad team. But I've long subscribed to the idea that you know every team in college basketball scores points. Everybody has to everybody has to have somebody score for them. And you scoring at a at a at a nice rate uh, for a bad team in and of itself doesn't matter much to me. Uh, that's why I think scoring champions in college basketball like uh, people don't even know who they are. Like you don't even yeah. Like who right. won the yeah. scoring title two years ago, college basketball? Uh, two years ago it was McDermott. McDermott. Oh, so they, he's, he's <laughs> that was a bad example. Like, I'm sorry. Hold on. Okay, edit that. Edit that. Bad example. Who won it last year? It's. I don't even know who it is, yeah, but I know who it is. But yeah, it's normally that kind of deal. And but this year could be another exception because it could be Buddy or it could be uh, Kay Felder who have been balling out. It do might you, be one of those two. But no, no, a lot of years it is. It is a no-name guy. Yes. Do you know who's leading the country in scoring right now? Yeah, I do. But Norlander, do you? No, I'm I'm pretty positive Buddy's second, and I think Felder is like third or fourth. It's, it's James Daniel and yes. Howard. Yes, James um, Daniels one, Buddy Hill two, Jack Gibbs, Khalil Felder, and yeah. uh, Anthony B- Cat Barber's fifth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, so that's that. I just said you said Cat Barber that popped in my head. I think we all agree. No, Not, it's worth it was worth a quick. Yeah, day. having a, having a, having a, having, a, having a, listen. The numbers are off the charts. You're having a great season. I can't get down with ACC Player of the Year if your team is three and nine in the ACC. Um, so we've touched on uh, Kansas, Oklahoma. We've touched on Duke, Virginia. How about Wisconsin going to Maryland and winning? That beating number two ranked Maryland, even though I don't think Maryland should have been ranked second in the country. That is snapping their 27 game uh, winning streak uh, at home, and that is seven straight wins for Greg Gard. Man, I tell you, in terms of being wrong about things, this Wisconsin team is something I'm very wrong about because I assumed when Bo retired and they were already not very good, the idea that an interim coach, somebody named something other than Bo Ryan, would be able to get it on track didn't make much sense to me. And yet they're 7-0 and and like uh, very much in the NCAA tournament picture now. Not 7-0, and but they're on a seven-game winning streak. Uh, they're on a seven-game winning streak. I'll be real quick here, Sam. Um, I'll let you take Wisconsin. I want to take Maryland real quick. They've just got me twisted. I, I love the lineup. I love the personnel. Wisconsin is now on pace to reach an 18th straight tournament, which obviously no one saw coming. But I think this loss, unless Maryland runs the table, which I don't expect it, which it can do. I just don't expect it. I actually think this is going to be the outcome that prevents it from even landing on the two line. Palm has them as a three right about now. Just a super weird loss. And Diamond Stone should have been thrown out of the game. And oh. like, I mean, that was <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. the other thing. Like, what is wrong with these officials? Like, how I don't do you get miss it. I, I don't get it. It's been bad this year. Officiating I, I, has been really like, bad. I understand this year. if you miss it in real time but when you can go look at what is a go look at the same thing i'm looking at on my television like as i'm watching it on television and going back and forth and slow-mo how do you as an official look at that and let diamond stone stay in the game yeah Yeah, no i don't it's unbelievable i didn't get that at all he shoved his whose head was it was vito brown's yeah it was vito yeah like he shoved his head into the court what are we talking about (laughs) it was bad anyway uh without a doubt i mean egregious um but Maryland, because of its weaker non-conference and because of this, um, hey, maybe it'll be a trendy three or four seed to pick to the final four, and I might end up doing it. Oh, I will too. It, it just it didn't do itself any favors here come Selection Sunday. I think this is going to be an outcome that will linger, even though I now believe that Wisconsin, it's not going to be a bad, bad loss because I think Wisconsin is going to play itself amazingly into this field. I like I, I you, you, you said something there that, that – I think registered with me about Maryland, which is you like the players. Like I like the player. I love the roster. Like you give me the individual, like the roster. I go, man, I, I really like, that's a national championship roster. I just don't know. And Sam, you could maybe speak to this. I just don't know how well the pieces fit together. Like I, I really like the pieces. I don't know how well they fit together. And either way, um, you know, in the committee's eyes, it doesn't really matter how good your roster looks or how good we think you could be. You got to show us on Selection Sunday what you've been able to do, and their resume um, is is a little underwhelming right now. Their resume is missing some things. Yeah, fits always kind of been the question there. I would say, uh, I mean, like Robert Carter and Jake Lehman play the same position basically. Like Jake Lehman last year when he closed really well, he did it at the four, 
and with Robert Carter there, you have Jake Lehman pretty much playing the three whenever right. they're uh, in their best lineups or have their best five on the court. Uh, Rashid Suleiman and, and Suleiman's been great this year, don't get me wrong, but him and Trimble are kind of a precarious fit. I would say they're not, they both like to handle the ball and sometimes you can see them not necessarily pass particularly well. They're only middle of the pack nationally in a assist per field goals made. And a lot of those are just little mellow triple dump offs to diamond stone on slashes. Um, Stone, I think, has been pretty good this year. He's been better than I thought, honestly. Um, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect of him this year. The, I thought that he could tank Maryland's defense coming into the year, but their defense is actually really good. It's 11th in the country, according to Kempom. So I don't know exactly where this goes from here. I think that you probably need to find a way to stagger the minutes a little bit better with Carter and Lehman and get Jared Nickens on the floor a little bit more because he can shoot. But the problem with Nickens is he hasn't shot well this year. He's only at like 33% this year on a hundred attempts or something like that. Um, so I'm not sure what the deal is with Maryland, honestly. I, I mean, I think that Mark Turgeon's a good coach. I, I think that the team fits well enough, although there are those small problems. And I think that it's an extremely talented team. It's just, uh, it's not coming together. Maybe they need to get a little bit better ball movement, but I, I don't know. It's yeah, weird. D- despite shoving a, an opponent's head into the ground, like Diamond Stone has developed in a way that, honestly, like you hoped Scal Labissier would develop, right? Like they both kind of struggled, looked like freshmen early. And then you you said, hey, give it time. Maybe they'll figure it out. And, and Diamond has actually figured it out. Like he's been really good, whereas Scal is still – you know, struggling with a lot of the same things he was struggling with uh, early in the season. But I, I would say, like, in terms of Maryland's resume, they've got five top 50 wins, no losses outside of the top 50 right now. Um, but just for the purposes of context, like, you know, the other elite-level teams, like, you know, Kansas has nine top 50 wins. Oklahoma has seven. Uh, um, Villanova has seven or eight. Actually, Villanova doesn't. They've got four. Are you called? Are you RPI or Ken Palm? RPI. I go. Oh, okay. I start going by RPI because, like, that's what the NCAA tournament committee is going to use. Yeah. Like, I understand it's a flawed number. As soon as they replace it, I'll replace it as well. But as long as they use it, it's it's an important number, even if it's a flawed number. Yeah, um, Villanova has seven Ken Palm. Yeah, so right. So, um, like, uh, you know, Maryland's got six. Um, you know, uh, Carolina's only got three. Like, um, there ain't much going on with Carolina's resume either. Let me. Like, they've. Uh, Carolina's beaten Maryland. How about this? Did you realize this? Mm-hmm. You know what Carolina's second best win is? It is probably... I'll have it up. I'm trying to track like, my brain. At Syracuse? Syracuse? At Syracuse? That's yeah. wild. Carolina, it is It is Valentine's Day, and Carolina's second Florida best... Florida State? Yeah. Second, Carolina has exactly one win over a team that's nationally ranked right now. That's wild. I mean, some of it's just schedule related, right? Although they've had opportunity, other opportunities. I would explain. Uh, you know, it's funny. You're going all over that. You're going over this, and um, I'm looking at uh, Palm's bracket, right? And Carolina's a three, which you know I'm sure Heels fans are kind of nuts over, but that exp- that explains it. Um, I, I we don't have to go. We don't have to go get into this. I just want to toss this out here because I, I feel like these teams aren't getting discussion, and maybe they don't deserve it. But I feel like there's kind of a an unawareness out there of, of how ridiculous things are getting. Okay. In Palm's bracket right now, this is bonkers. Okay. Oregon state's an eight and I'm not disagreeing with this. I'm just saying this is how insane the season is getting Oregon state's an eight Florida state's a nine. Both these teams have been inconsistent to say the least. And yet they're very comfortably, comfortably in Gonzaga, which by the way, lost. And if we want to get to that, we can. Gonzaga is an 11 only by means of an auto bid because it's at large candidacy is uh, shaky to say the least now. But like, consider like Bama out of nowhere is now a 10 and <laughs> rightfully in the field. Sure. Take a look at Alabama's resume and see who they've beaten. And honestly, they might even should be, be above a 10. It's maybe because some of their bad losses that's keeping them down. Right. Temple yeah. is a 10. Texas Tech is a 9. And by the way, Monmouth also a 9, which I've got no issue with because of their wins. So I just think we're heading to a thing here. Where people aren't realizing that these teams that haven't been good in recent years, suddenly they've gotten some wins, and and maybe it's because the RPI is a little just jangled as well. I, there's just a lot of surprises. If you haven't looked at a mock bracket yet, right. or just a, a palm bracket or wherever, um, 
it's just bizarre. Well, like, I, I, this I, is it, this it, is probably the softest bubble in years. Well, like, and honestly, and GP, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we say that every year, but legitimately, this is the softest yeah. bubble I've ever seen in my life. Here's what I would well, say: part of it is because that there are two at-large teams. Well, that's that are the out. thing. We're basically operating so with true. a 70-team tournament, right? Because Correct. you know, two teams that would be in this thing and be taking up two spots are not going to be in it: SMU and LSU. So, uh, for all intents and purposes, we're dealing with a 70-school NCAA tournament, right? Um, I think. Uh, fans tend to casual fans tend to look at the tournament in terms of good and bad meaning this like they don't think of it as like actually having to you know put names in a bracket they think of it as like is that team good or is that team bad like NCAA tournament teams are good and teams that miss the tournament are bad I've run in this all the time with the top 25 and one as well somebody will say how is that team ranked ninth in the country well like put pen to paper and start listing teams you're, what you're going to find out is that you you run out of what you the teams you perceive to be as good you run out of them pretty quickly, and that's just me ranking 26. So you start trying to put what is essentially you have to take two top 25 teams SMU and Louisville toss them aside and then fill out a 68 team bracket. What you get is like if you ask somebody right now, so um, what what do you think of Alabama this year? Uh, I think they won some games, but like what? Like no, they're going to the NCAA tournament probably. What? Like Alabama's getting in the Crazy. NCAA tournament? Oregon. Which, by the State? way, I don't think Alabama's that good. No, that's well, my point. Like, that is my point. Let's just Bad. go full transparency here. So we go, yeah. we do like this. You know, we we create a schedule. Who's going to take what games yeah. or whatever, and we and we build it out. And Sam hits me up. He goes. Matt, why are we writing about Alabama if it beats Florida? And I'm like, because, dude, they're going to be in the tournament. Bama has defeated Wichita State, yeah. Notre Dame, Clemson on the road. Clemson hasn't lost that much at home. Uh, South Carolina, A&M, Florida. Like, it's kind of ridiculous, and I'll be the first to admit that I was way wrong. And, you know, Clemson. yeah, I, I, I will say the I same thing. I did not thing. think it was going this way whatsoever, and they have immediately turned it around and are a viable tournament team. There are some weird losses and in there. And he's recruiting, too. Yeah, let, let me let me say this real quick because I wrote about them yesterday. Like after you made me write about them, basically you just gave me that game, and I was like, okay, sure. Um, I actually looked into what they're doing, and it's ridiculous. Like Avery is has them at fifteen and nine with a team that was picked thirteenth in the preseason in the SEC in a down SEC, uh, and he has them fifteen and nine, six and six in the league with a not crazy late schedule. I mean, they have Mississippi State, Auburn, Georgia and Arkansas left like they can win three of those four games pretty easily get to you know a 500 maybe 10 and 8 record in the league and if you'd have told me that preseason I would have never believed you because I wasn't even sure how this Avery Johnson thing was going to go like I I didn't know how he was going to be able to coach college kids I didn't think he was a great NBA coach to be honest Um, and it's been remarkable and he is absolutely won uh won me over as far as what he's doing because this team lost a lot from last year Levi Randolph and uh has them equally as good if not better than what they were last year yeah i mean it's uh, and like gary said they're recruiting too like well, crazy well that's the thing man like i you always hear these coaches talk about you know we were on the bubble we were right there like if you if you can't get in an ncaa tournament you're not very good like i mean we don't leave good teams out we put average teams in and i think this Great. is a year where it's even you know we're gonna put even like below average teams in like you're gonna look up on selection sunday and you're gonna see some teams in this bracket and you're gonna go Really? They're good? But the problem becomes um, you got to put 68 teams in the thing. And without Louisville and SMU, it's even uh, – it's more accessible than it would uh, otherwise be. Um, Kentucky killed at South Carolina. You know, uh, we mentioned on the podcast uh, – They went Kentucky, GP. Oh, oh, God. By the way, can we talk about John Calipari getting ejected? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he, he lost his like how did we not get to that so for like so like minutes in the podcast how about this so i uh on set like i was out of town all last week um and you know, i was gone monday through friday in in new york and so i got home and uh, we took the family to to breakfast yesterday morning it was more like brunch it was late and so kelly was like well what do you have to do and i said well i want to uh you know get home in time for kentucky south carolina that tips at i think it tipped at 11 our time central and uh I said, I said, but like, you know, if I'm, if I miss the first few minutes, it's not a big deal. So like, whatever, let's go get brunch. And so we went and I, I'm sitting at the table and a buddy of mine text messaged me and he was like, well, that escalated quickly. And I'm like, what is he even talking about? Cause he just assumed I'd be watching the game. Cause I normally would be. And I was like, and so I immediately went to Twitter and it was like, whoa, whoa. And I was like, what in the world? Like Cal lost his mind. Two and a half minutes into the game. He lost his mind completely. Got ran out of the place. That was beautiful. 
it was it it, it was beautiful uh and good on i mean ulis continues to make his case for a first team all-american kentucky sure. fans think he should be yeah. up for player of the year realistically it's not gonna happen but um he could be a first team all-american obviously and and honestly maybe he's really trending toward being that but the Cal thing was, I've just never, I don't think I've seen a coach get taught, like any coach at any level, like ever, to get tossed that early. Um, some conspiracy theorists think he did it on purpose. I, I have a very hard time believing that John Calipari in a road game that he knows he needs his team to win believes that if I'm not on the bench, my team has a better chance of winning than not. <laughs> no, I'll, <laughs> tell, mean, I'll tell you what he did do, though. Um, first off, like you're really... With all due respect to everybody, everybody can have their opinions, and, and I, so I don't want to bash anybody's opinions. Whatever, I'll just say this: my opinion. Um, there's no way he got thrown out on purpose. That's that, that's that's crazy in my eyes. What I do think, and this is something that John has always been great at, is he will take whatever situation and then use it in a way that is um, that is useful for him. So what you know immediately, I think if you saw after the game yesterday on Twitter, he was like, "My kids learned that they can they don't need me." You know, like he, he will turn that into a, a message for them. Hey, you don't need me. Go play. I wasn't there. You won by 30. I wasn't there. You beat their brains in. You don't need me. Just go play. So did he get thrown out on purpose to prove this point? No, I don't think so. That's crazy. Um, but once he was thrown out and what happened happened and he has that point available to him, will he use it? Of course he'll use it. I bet he's used it with them already five times in meetings. I think that's absolutely 100% correct, with without a doubt. And listen, Kentucky's that was a vital win. Uh, and just getting a road win, South Carolina is going to be a tournament team. It needed it for its resume. South Carolina just it blew its chance. I mean, it wasn't even competitive. It sounds not like they lost 79-76. They got absolutely romped. So dispiriting for Frank Martin's team. But again, they'll be they'll be heading to the tournament. Yeah. And no, you know. Kentucky fans were hitting me with that whole Kentucky. So Paris, did Kentucky go Kentucky? And I was like, uh, yeah, what, really? are, what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, that, that was your fault. You know, like, <laughs> I will make the point, and this is the same thing with the rankings, not to get too much into it, but, like, um, I base my opinions usually based on what's happened to that point, and then if things change, I'll change with them. So when we talked on Friday, um, they had they were 2-5 and five in road games, and every time they'd just beaten somebody's brains in, then they'd go to Alabama, I mean, go to – uh, Tennessee and lose and go to Auburn and lose. So what I meant was, hey, listen, Kentucky has been playing well lately. Don't forget, uh, they, you know, last time we said they'd been playing well lately, maybe they turned a corner. They went out and lost to t at Tennessee. So, like, and they're two and five in road games. So let's see. Um, and then, you know. Is, and, is Gary Parish pulling a John Calipari right now, <laughs> turning know. around a situation to make it a positive? No, I'm just saying, well, like, Kentucky fans also like yesterday they were like uh, so you're gonna rank Kentucky now yes I'll rank Kentucky now you know uh, because now they've got a, a a dominant road win the resumes on way better or, or at least obviously better than it was yesterday you know they still have five losses outside of the top 70 of the RPI like it's not like they're unblemished um but of course I'll change as soon as the things change like I, I don't even think that makes you a flip-flopper I think it makes you aware like uh, Kentucky had been bad on the road. That was true on Friday. They beat the crap out of South Carolina on the road on Saturday. I can tip my hat to that. And so I, I do think that they are now performing like um, one of the scariest teams in the country. Like, you you know, if you get them at their best, they're better than base, almost everybody at their best. And Jamal Murray, whoo, like he's, he's going now, right? Yeah, no, Jamal Murray's pretty great. I think uh, he's I, been, he's been really good all year. I think that, People expected him to be an All-American, maybe. I think we had him second-team All-American. He's just been a slight level below that throughout the year, I think. But, you know, now that he's figured it out, he's really figured it out. You're right there. I mean, he's going to set, like, multiple Kentucky freshman records for scoring. No, like, I think I saw somebody tweet earlier, like, last five games or something, he's averaging, like, 29 points a game. Like, he's really operating at a high level. And um, they still need to get more from the front court one way or another. But, uh, you know, to be great, but I mean, they're, they're really good right now. Like they're playing really well. That's undeniably. And, uh, it's undeniable. And when they, you know, it, it's hard to win on the road in college basketball most years, especially this year, if only because most teams aren't good enough to go do it. When you beat a, I don't I don't think South Carolina is a top 25 team, but like when you beat a real team, like an NCAA tournament team, 
like beat their brains in on their home court. Like that's impressive. And that's what, that's what they did yesterday. And they did it without their head coach, which I don't know that matters one way or another, but it's like still something that happened. That was impressive, man. I, uh, I would not want to be the, the one seed who ends up having to play uh, Kentucky as a four seed or, you know, or the, 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 you know, what, however it, you know, shapes out the one seed who has to play Kentucky as a five seed. Um, Cause they, they probably got better players than you, even if you're the one. Like, think about that. Like, what if Iowa ends up as the one and Kentucky ends up as the four? And you've had this amazing year if you're Fran McCaffrey, and then you look over and you go, oh, wow, they got better players than we got. How did this that's, happen? That's the tournament, man. Yeah. That's why I love it. No, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be fun. All right, listen, we, we talked about, um, before we started recording, sort of Big Monday isn't that, like, we've had some great Big Mondays. Uh, uh, tomorrow's Big Monday. Uh, isn't that great? I think we've got, what is it, Kansas, Oklahoma State. No reason. That, That's a revenge game. They fell at Oklahoma State. Kansas is going to win by twenty. You would think they would win by as however many they want to win by. They would win by. And then the other one is uh, our buddy Cat Barber playing at Virginia. So not much going on Monday. Tuesday isn't great. Wednesday we get our first Duke Carolina game. Is this a week later than it usually is? It seems like it's always like the first Wednesday. Yeah, it's after because the, the calendar is a week later. Like the season doesn't end until the first week of March. So that's everything's kind of bumped back a little. And what about the Grammys? They're on Monday night as well, but aren't they usually on a Sunday night? You are right, but they're now. They're right. go, usually, what happened with the Grammys, which you can watch live on CBS. Uh, and you should. Is it's they, it's they, America's they, most watched network. You absolutely mm-hmm. listen. I, I, I got some issues with the Grammys overall, but I will watch them because um, it will be interesting and it's great Twitter fodder. But they used to be taped late on the West Coast. That's no longer the case. Um, so I think because of that, they moved it to Monday night. So we get the Grammys on Monday. Did they not move it because of Valentine's Day? Because you lose, you probably lose an audience on Valentine's Day, don't you? <sighs> That's a great. That question. would be my guess as to why. I mean, Sam is the Nielsen guy, so that might. Yeah, also... Sam, you would you would not want to compete for like no. an award show. You wouldn't want to compete with Valentine's Day, would you? No, absolutely not. It would be especially all... considering the Grammys, like you guys said. Uh, typically, they happen around like five o'clock on the West Coast. Right. So, I mean, that's right when everyone is going out on dates to dinner. Sure. So like you it, would not want to go and, against that. And like these so. award shows, like the Oscars, the Grammy, you would know about this more than I, Sam. It's like literally your background. But um, <laughs> like those are very much couple watching events. Like you sit yes. down with your like, even if you hate your wife, you can sit down with her and watch the Grammys. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you, yeah, no, you're right. A dark place here. I don't know. No, you know what I mean, though. Like, no, like, I, I know what you mean. You know, like, it's like a family thing. It's, sit around yeah. TV and watch them. And I mean, maybe it's more adult thing and couples. You're right. But, you know, it's it's a family thing. Where yeah. So they're on the living room and it's yeah. on. And yeah. No, 100%, you're right. Yeah. So even like if uh, and I this is probably something we could people are Googling right now. And I'll Google it as soon as we finish the podcast. I, I bet you Valentine's Day had something to do with moving it from Sunday to Monday. And I'm betting that with no knowledge whatsoever other than. Um, I can't imagine you would want an award show to compete with Valentine's Day. For instance, if it were tonight, like I'm a guy who I can't, I will watch the Grammys every year. But if it were tonight on Sunday night, I wouldn't be able to watch it. I'm going to dinner. And so um, I bet you that's got something to do with it. Uh, um, beyond that, what was I going to? Yeah, it's like it's got me all. We're talking about two. Yeah, what were we talking about? What happened? I think I think my point is my calendar is all screwed up. Yes, that's that's basically what we were what we were getting at. Seems the, like Duke Carolina is later bit, than it should yeah, be. The Grammys, exactly. are, the Grammys are on a Monday for some reason. I don't even know what's going on. In All here. right, let me toss out a few things because we won't record again. We won't have a podcast on Friday. Wednesday has a couple interesting ones. Duke Carolina, obviously, it's Duke Carolina. It'll be a huge thing. Yada yada yada. Um, Carolina, if it wins, will really be in a position of winning the ACC. Right I know now. what I was gonna say. The only thing dumber than putting the Grammys up against Valentine's Day. Would putting would be putting college football semifinals up against New Year's Eve. Uh, that's a great point. It's sort of the, it's yeah, the, that's pretty right. It's, it's, it's the, the reason the Grammys. But, that, are not but the football s- one is obviously extremely egregious. Like, like what are you doing? Yeah, okay. deadline deadline basically said that uh, it's going to be a temporary move, and that uh, it's is, yeah, it, it, is it Valentine's Day related, Sam? Um, the idea was to get it at the end of the weekend as opposed to the middle because tomorrow's President's Day weekend. So most people have off tomorrow as well. So they think that they're going to be able to get uh, more viewership by uh, having on Monday as opposed to Sunday, considering most people go out for Valentine's Day as well as just go out generally, even if you're single, because you're off tomorrow. See, I should run a network. 
because because I knew I had this all figured out. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> I had zero idea it was President's Day, but um. All right, Norlander. I think you were saying something about actual well, college basketball. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, listen, I this is me, not a college basketball podcast. I dig me some Grammy <laughs> talk. Um, Duke Carolina will be interesting, but uh, Dayton at St. Joe's within the context of the tournament and selection. St. Jo- uh, St. Joe's is twenty-one and four. 10 and 2 in the league. That's a battle for the A10, which has not been a great league, but it could really go a long way for St. Joe's profile, which they're among the last four in right now in Palm. So keep an eye on that on on Wednesday. It will be a pretty big game. It's at six o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Oh wow. I, I told people to be wary of Oregon at Stanford, uh, and the ducks did go down. <laughs> I'd also Yeah. What? Just like Pac twelve. I know it's Pac-12 is so weird. We talked about um, this a few weeks ago. Like, I don't care who you are. You, you, you probably take losses every weekend if you're on the road. I know. So here I got a, I got a funky feeling about Nova at temple. That's also on Wednesday. Nova has been good, but I just, uh, temples right there. They're in and out. They're right on the fence would be a, a huge win. And honestly, it would be defining to that season if they, if they could get that kind of victory. So just keep an eye on that on Wednesday. And then the other one, Xavier, listen, all credit to Xavier, which had the weird but somewhat predictable loss at Creighton earlier in the season. Then it goes, and it just romps Butler. Now Providence goes to Xavier on Wednesday night. Providence almost had the worst loss of the season because they were up by 50. Uh, I'm exaggerating. Against against Georgetown at home. It got to be a a two-point game in the final two minutes. They held on for a three-point win. They needed that to stop the bleeding. Uh, But if you look... Uh, since January 25th, Providence's only wins have come against Georgetown. Every other team they face, they've lost. <laughs> that, in- that includes a loss uh, to Xavier, who they get again this week. Uh, Providence is going to make the tournament, but um, yeah. they're really flirting with fire here in terms of their seeding overall. Winning at Xavier would just do wonders for their profile. So that's just some Wednesday stuff. All just right. a quick quick thing to, with the Pac-12. Shout out Ryan Anderson, who I kind of privately made fun of a little bit for being up for the Wooden Award. He was on that midseason 25 list, and he's responded with like five straight double-doubles. Since then, in Arizona, if you look, is now, I believe, tied for the Pac-12 lead, which, uh, given where they were around the end of January, sure. is pretty remarkable, considering they were 4-4. Four and four. What is funny And they is- also close with, I think, four of six at home. Well, how about this? And like, I'm, I'm, this, I could probably turn this into a column. So if you're another columnist somewhere listening, don't steal this from me. Um, you know, that we have these ups and downs of the season, these twists and turns, and and you don't really know what to expect. And uh, you start to doubt some of the things that you thought were going to go the way, um, you know, that you start to doubt whether they're going to actually turn out. And then here we are on Valentine's Day. And guess who's in first place in the SEC? Kentucky. Guess who's in first place in the uh, ACC? North Carolina. Guess who's in first place in the Pac-12? Arizona. Guess who's in first place in the Big 12? Kansas. Like, there, there were points in the season where Villanova we had Villanova in the Big East. Villanova in the Big Sounds East. Sounds like a Tuesday column to me, GP. This might be a Tuesday column. Let me take some notes right here. Um, I'll, write, I'll write it Monday night while I'm watching the Grammys. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but like, I think, well, Villanova, I don't think we've ever had a doubt that Villanova was going to win the Big East, did we? Like, we sort of all, like, it, no, it got my, interesting, but there wasn't a doubt. Yeah. I, I feel like after those Oklahoma and Virginia losses, though, that a lot of people were like, yeah, maybe eh, Xavier, Xavier. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I guess, I guess there's a, been a point within the conference schedule where we questioned Kentucky in the SEC. We questioned Kansas in the Big 12. We questioned Arizona in the Pac 12. And yet, uh, here we are, you know, mid-February, and if you were picking champions in all of those leagues right now, wouldn't you probably pick those three? Man, it's been. You know what's going to happen to screw up this column, right? Hmm. Arizona's going to lose to USC, USC right? Yeah. We're recording before it happens. Well, right. that, that's what we'll see. But it's been a good ten or twelve. Shout episodes. out to Andy Enfield. It's been a, a number of episodes since we've actually had Parrish talk himself into a column, so I'm glad we've gotten back to that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a deeper look at it. I can't, I can't commit to it yet. I, it might just be a podcast topic and something I use on Inside College Basketball Tuesday night on CBS Sports Network, uh, but it could also turn into a column. I don't know. I got no promises. You guys ready to go? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very sure. much ready to go. You guys go. Uh, you guys go. Enjoy being social, going out to dinner. I'm going to clean up baby vomit. Awesome. Have fun. That's Remember, fun. you can subscribe to the On College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the quickest way to get the latest episodes in your possession. So do that, please. Shout out to Chip Patterson. Shout out to Devin Downey. Watch the hey, Grammys. Sh- mm. Shout out to, real quick here, mm. 
Shout out to Aaron Gordon, who's dunk Woo! 15, oh, yeah. 20 years from now. And listen, Levine was awesome, but that dunk. That, dunk, that actually, one dunk is the best dunk maybe I've ever seen. I mean, honestly, it might be the best one ever. And we're going to remember that more than the fact that Levine won, I think. And Unless, Levine like, is like the best dunker ever. Yeah. I, listen, uh, he's awesome. But Sam, you called him the goat, and then Aaron Gordon went out and put, pulled off the goat dunk. I so. think it's possible, but I think both of these are tr- things might be true. I think yeah, Levine I think might so be the good. goat, but and but Aaron Gordon might have the best dunk of all time. It's in, it's which insane. which leads to a, a larger issue: Can you be the goat if you also aren't the guy who had the best dunk of all time? And and I mean, and, no one's calling Aaron Gordon the goat dunker of all time. No, but, but it, like honestly, Gordon had it, that one. The sitting dunk was amazing, but visually, he had a couple others that were just as awesome, or nearly yeah. as awesome, I should say. Like the spinning on the on the freaking uh, whatever it's called, the hoverboard. That that was so that was pretty like, cool. It's it's so symmetrically perfect. And then I don't think people realized how hard it was for him to reverse double hand tomahawk where he like literally brought the ball between his legs and brought it back up like i, I don't know if there are 15 humans that can pull off that dunk i like saw somebody tweet last night i couldn't even do that if i were just standing still yeah, seriously <laughs> you know so i know it's nba that was a great like it, i'm so like i've become like mr board with the dunk contest guy over the years like it was cool in my childhood with michael yeah. and dominique but like the last few years i don't even know that i've watched them and I just happened to be in front of a television last night because of college basketball and stuff. And I turned it on. That was like the best dunk contest. It was unbelievable. It was like great television. I, I just, I flash back to three, two and a half years ago. Like you and I, Paris, you probably don't even remember it, but I, for every reason I do, like I remember sitting in a gym in Vegas watching Aaron Gordon play AU basketball. And then last night he's doing that. It's just like insane uh, how far they, how far they go in such a little time. Uh, you can, hey, they grow up fast in Orlando. You'll see that with your own son soon. I know. Hey, shout out to Devin Downey. (laughs) I'll see you guys later. Later.